Welcome to What Do You Think? I'm Al. And I'm C. And today we are reviewing a very, very exciting picture. Um, folks, uh, this is this was the this is the Marvel movie people were waiting yeah. for. This was this was for many like the thing they were waiting for since Spider-Man No Way Home. You, you I agree. It. No, this is the this is the mo I remember when the trailer dropped for this and the internet lost its mind. Yeah, dude, like people okay, so what we're talking about is the sequel to the 2018 very 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 critically acclaimed and a box office smash Spider-Man. Unexpected Spider-Man go on, sorry. Well, you're right, you're right. It wasn't unexpected like box office smash. Spider-Man uh, into what well, into the Spider-Verse was what it was called. Oh, the first one or this one? Uh, yeah, the first one was called Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. It was so basically here's a little tiny little history story. Sony. Sony basically had just agreed that Spider-Man was going to be in the MCU, which were which were uh, Disney produced movies, but that they would release solo Spider-Man movies under the MCU like produced under under their production banner. Fun fact, it's why it says associated with Marvel instead of Marvel in the opening um titles. Exactly. So basically every time Spider-Man's in the Avenger with the Avengers, that's Disney. But when Spider-Man did something solo, that was Sony. Um and Disney agreed to this. They also put a little clause in the agreement. This was way back in like what, 2015? Yeah, 2015. Mm. They also put a clause in the agreement that that uh, Disney would have Disney and Kevin Feige would have to explicitly ask for any Spider-Man character that they wanted to use in in their universe in in the MCU, and that anything that wasn't explicitly asked for, Sony could basically make movies about. Mm-hmm. Um, this led to the green lighting of movies such as 2018's Venom, starring Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. Um, this led to, uh, eventually, isn't there also, wasn't there also another rule that certain amount of Spider-Man movies had to come out every few years? Yes, that was, that was part of the rule. Um, and also that, uh, and this was on Disney side or no, or was it Sony? I think it was Sony that there had to be a minimum of one MCU character in every live action, uh, Spider-Man movie that they produced. That's why Tony Stark's in, uh, in Homecoming. That's why Nick Fury, Nick Fury yep. is in Far From Home, and that's also Doctor why Strange. Doctor Strange is in is in uh, No Way Home. Yeah, All he right. couldn't be by himself in any of the Marvel movies. Exactly, exactly. Um, all right, cool. Now, one thing that Sony immediately jumped on was that, hey, so, you know, you know. Tom Holland's Spider-Man, the cinematic Spider-Man's in the MCU. Um, what we're going to do is that we're going to take all the Spider-Man villains that Disney doesn't ask for and just make movies about them so that Disney can't really use them anymore. It, it, was, that, it, was, a yeah. sh- it was a shitty thing to do. Well, um, listen, but when you're dealing with Disney, you have to be shrewd. No, no, it's that's true. Option. That's true. That's true. Um, but it was a shitty thing to do because... They greenlit a lot of movies that basically were like, okay, uh, Venom is going to have its own movie. Uh, okay. Uh, Morbius. Morbius. Craven the Hunter. 
um, Carnage is going to be its own thing within the Venom sequel. But here was the thing. Any quote unquote Spider-Man, Kevin Feige had control over. Any, any, anybody who was ever a Spider-Man, right? Um, that meant that any Spider-Girl or Spider-Woman, Sony could make movies. In fact, no joke. A lot of the Spider Women characters are going to be in the upcoming Madam Web movie. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. They're played by um, oh the the girl who was in the girl who played Dora and Dora the Explorer, um, the the hot blonde from Euphoria. Um, oh yeah, the girl also she was in um, White Lotus as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, basically, basically like the upcoming Madam Web movie is going to have a lot of the spider girl, spider women characters in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, uh, Disney slash Marvel Studios slash Kevin Feige, the, the rule did not apply to animation. So they immediately started, uh, ro- getting the ball rolling on, on making an animated Miles Morales movie. Now the it, Miles Morales fran- the franchise of Miles Morales Spider-Man that part of the universe had developed a very strong following over many years <laughs> and there had been many it it kept this was a thing that kept almost happening in various forms. Yeah. Um so so again trying to keep it as short as possible but for those who don't know who Miles Morales is uh, basically around 2009, 2008, right around the time they canceled, uh, they canceled Spider-Man four starring Tobey Maguire, where he was going to be, where he was going to fight the vulture played by John Malkovich, blah, 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 blah. Uh, there was like this campaign to get, uh, this actor from the sitcom community to play uh, Spider-Man, Donald Glover. Now, Donald Glover is a black man. But he's he was at the time he presented himself as a super nerdy black man, and people thought, okay, this would be the perfect Peter Parker. But a lot of other people got upset because Donald Glover is very obviously black, and it, it, it was a whole. You had to be there on the internet when that whole thing was going down. And well, it was, a, it was really insane. It, it was insane, but we all know what happened. Uh, summer of 2010, they announced uh, Andrew Garfield as the new Spider-Man slash Peter Parker with Mark Webb directing a reboot of the Spider-Man franchise. And we thought that was the end of that. And for those that don't remember, the one comedy special that Donald Glover released, he talked about it. He talked about how it was so cool that, like, uh, people wanted him as Spider-Man. And he made a whole joke about Michael Sarah as Shaft in it. Um, it's really fun. That, that special is called Weirdo, and it's really funny. Yeah. So, famed comic book writer... Michael Brian Bendis, who at the time was the writer for this like alternative universe. There, there's this whole like second universe of Marvel characters that started in the early 2000s called the Ultimate Line, right? Ultimate X Men, Ultimate the Ultimates, who were the Avengers. Uh, Ultimate. It, uh, it basically allowed Marvel to uh, loosen the restraints that years and years of other storylines had put down. They could adjust things by saying it was an alternate reality. Yeah. And by far the most popular comic line in that, in that franchise, in that sub universe was ultimate Spider-Man. In fact, for a lot of people, like if you were like, you know, a little, a millennial who was like 
like a middle schooler millennial at the time and you went to like the comic book section in Barnes and Noble or Books a Million or even like the book section in a Walmart or a Target and you saw like a bunch of like Marvel comics, it was most likely the ultimate line because Marvel was really selling that hard. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, like their exposure to the Spider-Man origin was the ultimate Spider-Man, right? So that was by far the most popular line. And Michael Brian Bendis was the writer for uh, up until that time. He was still the only writer for Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, there was no other writer. And uh, he had decided that he wanted uh, to retire Peter Parker in the Ultimate Universe. Uh, very controversially, uh, he basically killed him in in the story, right? He killed yeah. him in the story. Which really, uh, that that got some people uh, upset, to say the yeah. least. Yeah, so he killed Peter Parker in that story, and he revealed a new Spider-Man who wore, like, a, a black and red Spider-Man costume, and for a lot, for, like... A couple issues, you didn't know who that Spider-Man was, but then, like at the end of the third issue, he takes off his he takes off his masks, and it's revealed to be a young black man. And, and la- then the memes vomited forth. Yeah, and then we come to we come to realize that Michael Brian Bendis had created this character called Miles Morales, and his whole thing was that he was going to be the successor to the Peter Parker in the Ultimate Universe. And listen. That came with its own baggage that we don't have to delve into. But let's just say that ultimately, ultimately, Miles Morales became a very, very popular comic book character. Um, Because it was very well written, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. Very well written. Um, His appearance was sort of based off of Donald Glover because Michael Brian Bendis had seen the stand-up special Weirdo. Uh, and he was kind of inspired, like, oh, well, let me put Donald Glover as Spider-Man, right? Mm-hmm. So Miles Morales uh, became his own thing. Eventually, he became very, very, like, like unironically, he became one of the most popular Marvel characters at the time. And um, then they started making adjustments where, because obviously, in, you, listen, in the world of comics, very few characters actually stay dead. Um, so eventually, Peter Parker turns out he wasn't dead. And... They sort of tied it in an interesting way. There, they developed this sort of uh, this protege relationship, so to speak, yeah, uh, or apprentice relationship. That yeah, also worked very well. And then, you know, eventually, uh, Miles Morales starts appearing in like uh, in like other Spider-Man media. Um, he started popping up in like the Spider-Man cartoon that was happening at the time, Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there would be these crossover events, these called the Spider-Verse events, where he would cross over with the main line, the, the 616 universe, Spider-Man, right? The Peter Parker from the comic books that we know. Mm-hmm. And it all ultimately ended up with what everyone was expecting once once Miles Morales became like top five most popular character in the Marvel Universe, was that eventually they kind of like transferred him over from like the ultimate universe to, to the mainline comic book universe. Like he was so, that he, and he's the only ultimate character that was, that was done for. Right. Like that's I, how I, popular it was. I, I think so. I, I really do think so. I could be wrong because this is a ton of comic books, but sure. But yeah. he's the one we all know. Yeah. So, um, so then obviously the clamoring became, came out for like him popping up in, Andrew Garfield's movies at the time. And then once those ended, 
the, the clamoring came like, oh, he should be the MCU Spider-Man. But then when Tom Holland got cast, they kept thinking, well, will Miles will ever be in the MCU? Because at the time, Tom Holland was literally like 22 yeah. and looked like a baby when he got cast as Spider-Man. And when Kevin Feige was like, our explicit intention is that this Spider-Man is a kid. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like, well, it's going to be like 20, 30 years before we see Miles Morales on the big screen. Mm-hmm. So In then, any capacity. So then, In fact, a lot of people, when the first of those Spider-Mans came out and they cast Donald Glover in a role, that was almost, that was a, people reacted to that in two ways. One, they thought, oh, it's Marvel acknowledging that whole situation. Yeah. But also, it was kind of Marvel closing the book on that possibility. Yeah, so, and, the, and thank you for mentioning that. In the first Tom Holland Spider-Man, Spider-Man Homecoming, they cast Donald Glover as Miles Davis, the Prowler, who in the comic books is Miles Morales' uncle. So when so that like wink and a nod for the fans, and like you said, it was also like closing the book that like, yeah, no, this whole Donald Glover in the MCU as Miles Morales is not gonna happen, so stop asking. And you know, by the time by that time, Donald Glover was like in his mid thirties and he definitely didn't look like a teenager anymore. He was, um, a, yeah. and and at the time, people didn't know a different a project of his was coming along that was gonna really shake things up. That at that point, people once the show was called Atlanta, and once that came out, people practically forgot that the Donald Glover Spider Man thing was even a concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so in the height of all this is 2016, 2015, 2016. Sony announces we're going to do a Miles Morales cart- uh, animated movie. Okay, fine. People were like, okay, whatever. And then it got announced that, oh, and uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller of the Lego movie, the the uh, 21 Jump Street franchise, yeah. uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and, and actors, or not actors, and potential star wars directors well were, yes were and going, no well well they, they were still they were still going to do han solo at the time oh well, at the time yes yeah, the time, yeah 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 okay so let me just let me finish Sorry. uh they were going to write and produce it and at the time lord and miller could do no wrong and everyone got really excited oh now we're interested okay great and ironically then you know the cast list gets announced like a a year later and one of the guy they cast as Miles Morales, Shamik Moore, was this actor who was in a movie that came out a few years ago called Dope, who had become one of the. I know this is this is again this is all kind of tying back, had become one of the popular fan casting for Miles Morales right before Tom Holland got announced as Peter Parker. You know, I saw Dope in theaters. I was one of the few people that managed to do that. Oh, it was nice. At- it was actually with our uh, our friend and fellow guest of the podcast, Chris. We were the only ones in the theater, and we walked out, and we were like, "That was amazing." Well, and just just to kind of drive the point home, so 2018 hits, Venom comes out, and people were like, "Oh, that's oh okay, I guess that's a movie, whatever." <laughs> uh, you know, people had their complaints, uh, and people were like, "Okay, we're not really, we don't know what the spider, the Miles Morales Spider Man project is going to turn out." And then the first trailer for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse comes out. And people are hyped. People are like, whoa. It, first of all, it's an animated movie. Because at the time, when you hear like, oh, yeah, uh, the Sony Animation Pictures is going to make a Miles Morales animated movie, you're thinking, 
okay, the guys who did Surf's Up are going to make a Spider-Man movie that's probably going to look like something that DreamWorks or Illumination at their worst shit out. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. And instead you get this trailer where the animation looks literally looks like a living comic book panel, you know, and people are like, whoa, that that looks crazy. It, it, had, it was this crazy teaser trailer where Miles Morales in his outfit is like on top of a building and then he jumps. What, what you think? It looks like he's jumping and that he's just flying up towards the sky. But then you realize he's actually falling from the building right before he like thwips with his with his web slingers across the cityscape it was boss that that was an awesome trailer and then october rolls around the movie comes out and like every everyone who saw it would immediately call their friends and say dude you need to see this movie this is like this is not only the best animated movie of the year it's quite possibly one of the best movies of the year that's what happened with me because i was like ah i'm not really interested in seeing uh animated spider-man cartoon uh, but like when I finally saw it and I, I just got to watch it right before I left theaters and I was like blown away. Lucky. I was blown away. And then that same friend, Chris, our friend, Chris yeah. calls you and you're like, I'll get to it. And it took him like a year to see it. It took me. So here's the thing. I'll fully admit I was super late to this, this version of Spider-Man. Uh, this, this, what is now a new franchise of Spider-Man. Um, not for any like reason. I just didn't catch it. And I, a year later, I finally sat down and it was like playing on a discord that was like open to everybody. And like, I just missed like maybe five minutes. So I hopped in and I watched it and I'm like, Oh my God, this is great. Like, this is fantastic. And looking back, I always put together a top 10 movies of, each year for myself, and we did one for this podcast as well. Um, I now know that would have been in my top ten had I seen it at the time. It, it really blew me away. Yeah. Um, so I'm watching it, and I'm like, "This is amazing! Oh my god! What? Like the the animation's different. It is experimental. It's literally there. The ethos of the animation is like we want to make a living comic book panel, and they succeeded. And I thought to myself, like. Why is this movie so good? And I find out one of the three directors who directed Into the Spider-Verse uh, is Peter Ramsey, this underrated uh, animation director who had made what I at the time was, for me, the, the most underrated DreamWorks movie, which was uh, Rise of the Guardians. I had seen that like in a special screening in 3D, and I thought, my God. this Wait, were this... we at the same screening? Probably. Was this at a film yeah, 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 yeah. We were at okay, the same yeah. screening. Yep. Um, yeah, that was amazing. I, I, I loved it. It like it, it is was, a crime that that movie didn't do well. It is a crime. Very big crime. And he didn't get to do anything else. Peter Ramsey didn't get to do anything else until he switched over to Sony from DreamWorks and did uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Um, but, you know, that movie, like, first of all, they captured Miles Morales perfectly. Uh, Shamik Moore was like does the best job you could imagine mm -hmm. uh uh doing uh, uh uh miles morales so in that movie basically miles morales kind of ends up kind of watching his universe's peter parker slash spider-man played by chris pine trying to 
trying to destroy like um like some machine that opens up uh alternate universes uh and it was it was funded and created by by uh the the kingpin played by um oh, what's his name uh the uh the actor who the actor who was Sabretooth in that god awful Wolverine movie Oh, uh, Le- yeah. Leif Schreiber, Leif yes. Schreiber, right? Played by Leif Schreiber, <laughs> uh, he witnesses he witnesses that big epic fight, and then somehow this spider like teleports above him and bites him and gives him spider powers. Just as, and just as he's getting his spider powers, his universe of Peter Parker stops the machine, but is like mortally wounded, and uh, the Kingpin finishes the job and kills his universe of Spider Man. So then, some weeks later, he's like. Oh, uh, I, 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 I have these spider powers and Spider-Man's dead. I, do I need to be the new Spider-Man? And he runs into a different looking Peter Parker, a much older looking Peter Parker, who's still Spider-Man. And he realizes that before his universe of Spider-Man destroyed the machine, it brought in a lot more spider people. Uh, he meets he meets this older Spider-Man played by Jake Johnson, who's called Peter B. Parker. He's kind of more the Spider-Man we we come to know. Like they they kind of allude that he's the Spider-Man from the Sam Raimi movies because he's a lot older. Uh, kind of broke up with Mary Jane, kind of a schlub. Uh, then we meet an alternate Gwen Stacy played by uh, Hallie Steinfeld, who is Spider Gwen, who was. Uh, who basically in her universe, when Stacy becomes the spider hero and Peter Parker becomes a villain, that version of the lizard. Um, uh, we are introduced to Miles Morales's parents, uh, Jeff Morales, the police officer played by Ryan Tyree Henry, who was in Atlanta and uh, Rio Morales, the nurse played by Luna Lauren Velez, who I think was like in uh, uh, Sons of Anarchy. No, she was in Dexter. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're introduced to we're introduced to uh, Miles Morales's ver- universe's version of Doc Ock, who is a woman played by uh, uh, God. Uh, she She's a very famous comedic actress. Um, oh, yeah. Damn it. I just saw a clip of that movie today too with that character. Yeah, she, she's and like she, she's yeah, she's like she has a very distinct voice. Yeah, like, if, oh God, what was her name? Um, uh, oh, this is going to bother. Catherine Han. Catherine Han. Yes. Uh, Catherine Han. Uh, we're introduced to a noir Spider-Man, Spider-Man noir, played by Nicolas Cage. We're introduced, to, we're introduced to Spider-Ham, played by John Mulaney. Peter Porker, as they call him. Peter them. Porker. And then we're introduced to this uh, kind of manga-inspired girl named Penny Parker, played by Kimiko Glenn. Who Penny Parker was actually created by uh, uh, the lead singer of 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 uh, of My Chemical Romance. Uh, Chris, uh, what was his name? Christopher. Oh Ray, right, he yeah. started doing other stuff. I forgot. Yeah, he cre- he he created Umbrella Academy, and he created an alternate Spider Hero, Penny Parker. Uh, so we're we're introduced to all these characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie ends with Miles Morales because. The, the Kingpin tries to create the machine again. Uh, Miles Morales and the Spider-Man team stop stop him. And all the Spider-Men go on their way home with the with the understanding that they'll they'll never see each other again because they all live in different universes. And it's it's kind of bittersweet because him and Spider-Gwen, Gwen Stacy, 
they kind of start having feelings for each other, but they can't act on them because they're from different universes. Mm-hmm. So this is where we find ourselves as... And doesn't the Gwen Stacy of his world leave or something? Or No, no he never he never met her. Oh, he never, he never met, met her. her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Like, that's right. Yeah, he never met her. So uh, that's kind of where we're at with the sequel, Spider-Man Across the Universe. So, see, how's about we watch this trailer and then we give our review of the sequel to a movie that we both really, really liked. Oh, yeah. I can hear you being quiet, Mom. I, um, hope I didn't ice your game, man. No one my age says those words in that order. It's just hard to see my little man not being my little boy all the time. Yeah. For years, I've been taking care of this little boy. Making sure he is loved. That he feels like he belongs wherever he wants to be. He wants to go out into the world and do great big things. Not bad, kid. And what I worry about most... I love you, Miles. ...is they won't look out for you like us. Miles! Wanna get out of here? Wherever you go from here, you have to promise to take care of that little boy for me. Make sure he never forgets where he came from. And he never doubts that he is loved. And he never lets anyone tell him that he doesn't belong there. You gotta promise, Miles. I promise. Who do you think you are? Really? We are supposed to be the good guys. We are. There are a bunch of trailers, Ooh. like for for across the Spider Verse, but that was oh, my yeah. personal favorite. That's because it it takes it just it really captures the essence of like yeah. Miles Morales's uh, hero's journey in this one. Yeah. Um, also, I forget how good, like they they made sh- like yes, this is a case again where they get a lot of pretty well known, pretty up there actors doing voice acting. But they still made sure that these were like actors that could deliver on the voice acting. Yeah. Because damn, yeah. they all do. So, um, okay. One thing I didn't mention from Into Into the Spider-Verse was that there was a post-credit scene. Mm-hmm. And in that post-credit scene, we find out that Miguel O'Hara was kind of watching events unfold that happened in the movie. Miguel O'Hara, for those that don't know, is Spider-Man 2099 a very famous alternate version of Spider-Man. And this one, Miguel O'Hara was voiced by Oscar Isaac. So immediately 
even 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 the filmmakers of the first one knew that like yeah we're gonna make this this thing's gonna rock and we're gonna make a sequel yeah like, uh, they knew what they had and they were they were ready for us to beg them for more exactly so in in the sequel we get again Oscar Isaac as Miguel O'Hara we get Is Issa Rae playing uh, Jessica Drew, uh, an alternate version of Spider-Woman. Let's be uh, also clear that these, every single alternate version of Spider-Man that we've seen in the first movie and all of the ones we see in the second one, and I mean all of them, exist in some way in the comics. Like exactly. made appearances. So to be clear, this movie is not pulling Spider-Man's out of its ass. Like literally, it is based on an established canon. Now obviously, some of them... Play bigger roles than others. Like obviously, T Rex Spider Man isn't as big as yeah. other as the other ones. Yeah, but they all exist in some way or another. Yeah. throughout the multiverse, we get Daniel Kaluuya playing an alternate version of Spider Punk. And um, I, I didn't. So it took me a minute to realize that was him. Oh my god, he! It's like someone told him to take his normal accent, but like up it a bit, and it was so good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Are you surprised? No, I'm um, not surprised. I just love we it. get we get um, Amandala Stenberg playing uh, Spider Bite uh, again, another alternate version of, of Spider Man. This one's a this one's like a tech genius who actually uh, what she does is that she kind of kind of does like a VR type thing where where her where she kind of like has a hologram version of herself while she stays in her in her like in her like headquarters. Mm -hmm. uh, we get Karan Sony, who for those that don't know played the the taxi driver in the Deadpool films. Uh, mm. He plays uh, Pavtir Prabhakar, who is like Spider-Man India. No, that's literally Which, the that, in the comics that's the character's name, Spider-Man India. So he plays Spider-Man from a universe where like the center of the of the world is like this amalgamation of Mumbai and Manhattan. And literally, <sighs> this character is now becoming the meme, so to speak. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like people love him. And those are basically the the three new Spider Men, along with or the along with Issa Rae as Jessica Drew and Oscar Isaac as Miguel O'Hara. There are like it, guys, watch any of the in, across the Spider Verse trailers. There are literally hundreds of variations of Spider Man. So yeah. we, I, I cannot even begin to dig into how All many, of them. how many they are. Um, I will say though, we get uh, famed character actor Shia Wiggum playing. Uh, Playing Spider Gwen's dad, George Stacy, and uh, finally we get Jason Schwartzman. Who I'm listen, guys. I'll be honest. I'm not a big fan of Jason Schwartzman. So when he got announced, like, and it's really funny how they did this too. Uh, they announced the cast list, and then like right before the first trailer drops, like even after they released the teaser, they go like, "Oh yeah, uh, Jason Schwartzman's going to voice uh, the Spot." Uh, for those that don't know, the Spot is a Spider-Man villain that like was kind of obscure but then popped up in the 90s animated series uh popped up again i think in spectacular Sp it was either spectacular or ultimate spider-man animated series where he popped up again but then really made a splash because he was kind of like the starter villain in the 2018 spider-man game from sony uh on mm -hmm. the playstation 4 uh but he was kind of this villain who's like his whole shtick was that he had spots that that he could make appear and he could he could kind of transport himself anywhere. You guys know the game Portal? He had that. 
that that was basically his powers. Uh, and again, <laughs> most of you, most of you, if you remember, if you're like us who are older millennials, you'll remember him from the '90s animated series. Mm-hmm. Or if you're younger, you remember him as the starter villain in. Uh, or no, he wasn't the starter villain. No, that was that was Mr. Negative. Okay. Can I just yeah, point out that Jason Schwartzman is really now coming into his own as a voice actor? Like, yeah, that did... that. Sorry. That, yeah. that was what I was about to say. Actually, that you know he like it seemed like. And the trailers played that he was kind of like, oh, yeah, it's kind of like kind of like an extended cameo. He's just kind of that villain that Miles Morales has to fight in the first act. And we're going to be done. And with that's him. what they do initially. That's what they do initially. And let me just say something that I love about this movie is that they do this thing where they legitimately subvert your expectations and then they subvert them and they kind of give you a payoff that you're like, I was not expecting that. Holy shit. Yeah. So, C, what are your opening thoughts on the movie? So, I, I need to talk about the opening of the movie. That's where I need to start. Oh, yes. Please, where please. We are now in Spider Gwen's universe, okay? And I, what is it? it? I think it's 20 minutes. Am I right? Yes. Of, cause, okay, by the way. Oh, guys, and, 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 and folks, a, yeah. at one little thing, one quick PSA. Folks, uh, I had this problem. A lot of my friends who saw this movie had that problem. The The Spider-Gwen sequence at the beginning of the movie turns out that the studio released a, a, a file, because everything's digital now, released a file where the sound mix volume was off. It was a bug, but they fixed that. So after this, after this pub, podcast episode's published, that issue's been resolved. So... Because I know a lot of people are saying, like, the audio in, in Spider-Verse sounds really weird. That's fixed. So that was just my quick PSA. Oh, I was lucky then. I saw a version. I, I, I guess I got lucky. Or I didn't notice one or the other. But fair enough. Uh, one thing I wanted to add, and this is not a critique or even a crit- – this is not a criticism of the movie. It is just a fact. This movie's long, guys. This movie's very long. Two hours and 15 minutes. Yes. And again – I love it all the more, but for an animated feature film, that is a long anime. Animated films really, I you will be hard pressed to find an animated film that goes beyond one ten, maybe. It is rare, um, but so this one goes significantly farther. So the opening is the first twenty minutes of Spider Gwen or Gwen Stacy if she was the one that was bitten by the spider and became Spider-Man of course um, and it talks about it goes into her her troubled past so to speak that's the best way I'm going to describe it I'm going to be a little vague but one thing this movie does is so obviously we've seen how all the characters of the different universes are animated in a different way. But this then demonstrated how the world that they inhabit is also different. Her world is done with these beautiful watercolor pastels. That is just stunning to look at. And you feel... (coughs) Like, somehow, it makes the world she inhabits feel more emotional. Like, it almost reacts to her more. I know that, I don't know if that was intentional or not. It's just what I noticed. It's more serene. It's more almost elegant in a way. And it's just, it's really, 
it blew my mind. And in at the end of that 20 minutes, I knew, yep, this is one of my favorite movies of the year. I The rest could be dog shit, which it was not, obviously. But the rest could have been dog shit, and it would have still been in my top 10. That's how good the first 20 minutes were. I was absolutely... They, that absolutely knocked my socks off uh, in every sense of the word, okay? The rest of the movie manages to pull off a spectacular feat of simultaneously subverting our, uh, subvert, subverting our expectations, as Al said, while keeping us engaged in an action-packed storyline that didn't feel bloated and bring an emotional payout that left us, again, screaming for the next one. Because people were literally God. screaming in my my screening, by the way. Really? Just letting you know. Yeah, people, people like I literally are like, what? No. Oh, man. I will, say, I will say that and I won't say what, but there is a twist. And the moment the twist dropped, I just heard one person go, Oh, what the fuck? I did hear hear that. So there's that as well. Um, But I was absolutely floored by the first 20 minutes. And I loved the rest of the movie as well. Um, It is going to be difficult for me to think of any critique. Um, I will say this does... One of the rare things, although oddly enough, it happens more often in genre and uh, comic book movies, but this is one of the rare instances where the sequel is better than the original. Let me be clear, the original's fantastic, but the sequel, this is a masterpiece, to put it plainly. Like, this is really gorgeous and heartfelt and funny. So I'm just dumping praise on this thing right now. No, no, but. no, no. I, I agree with you. I the only, the only thing I would say is that I personally don't think it's better than the first one. Um, because, okay. because, folks, if you listen to this podcast, you already know I'm a sucker for like a well, efficient, tight story i really but isn't it interesting that like don't you at least feel and 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 you're right you're right this is this move the way this film tells its story is not efficient but what this movie does and it all and it knows this i I wouldn't even say it's not efficient it's just not as tight as the first one it's not that's that's not a bad thing that's just a preference thing No, no no yeah totally respect that what i would say is that the movie this movie isn't as tight, but because it's so visually gorgeous, you're like, it's like, you're, you know what? It, it's it's, it's like more the hot fudge Sunday. It's, it's just so it's, good. It's more technically audacious than the first one. The oh first, God, the so first beautiful. one was so, folks. The first one was literally trying to bring a a Spider Verse comic book uh, uh, event to to life, like an, an anime, like I keep saying, an animated comic book panel. Mm-hmm. This one's like, you know what? There's been Spider-Mans in 2D animation, 3D animation, video games, live action, mm-hmm. uh, still comic book panels, and this new, uh, this new like animated comic book vibe we're going for. Let's There's put a new it video all game coming out that everyone's let, excited for. Let's put it all in there. Oh, like, n- not see what sticks. We're just going to put it all in. The- we're going to force you to watch it all, and you're going to love it because we're going to be able to incorporate everything in the most swift and elegant way possible. Like, like folks, this movie references what happens in No Way Home 
as if as if these folks like yeah we can interact with the no way home folks no problem Mm -hmm. um like but here's the thing my biggest worry coming into this movie was that because it this movie really does delve into the multiverse and just a like again, hundreds and hundreds of Spider-Man variants. Thousands I was like, even. actually, I think well, it's no, no. They only did hundreds. I know, I know. They, they only potential. did hundreds. Yeah. yeah, there's a potential for thousands. But there um, only did hundreds, obviously. Yeah. My worry was, it's going to be it's just going to be jammed to the gills with like cameos and fan service and uh, um, 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 uh, fan fan references and uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for uh just fan service uh, at the end of the day uh, references and references and fan service right but what this oh and easter are... eggs easter eggs that's yeah, the word yeah, I'm looking we go. For. yeah, yeah. that that this is going to be filled with the gill with easter eggs there's going to be so many spider-man variants with probably each one getting a line with a cameo from like a a or b list actor that this movie is going to be bloated as because again two hours and 15 minutes almost two hours and 30 <clears throat> this movie is going to be bloated AF and mm-hmm. it's 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 not going to have a satisfying story. Well, I'm sitting down watching that. And yes, <laughs> the first 20 minutes what the basically the way I can tell you what the structure of this movie is is that it's Gwen Stacy's point of view for the first for the first quarter, then for the middle the middle two quarters, it's a Miles Morales's point of view, and then the last quarter goes back to Gwen Stacy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the format. With occasional uh, touching it, touching, checking up on Miles at that last part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm watching, I'm watching this, and we get to the middle two quarters with Miles Morales, and this movie, yes, there are a ton, a ton of Spider-Man variants, a ton. Like, 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 like for the Spider-Man fan, <laughs> every, not even every thirty seconds, every ten seconds, there's an Easter egg. Mm-hmm. But this movie is like, this movie knows that, listen, there's a ton of Spider-Man. You can see him in the background, but we got to focus on the story. The story is really focused. So much so that I was shocked. I was like, holy cow. Like, how are they able to balance putting all these Spider-Man Easter eggs, all these Spider-Man characters in the frame and still be telling a really, really good story, not losing focus of the story? Like, yes. Compared to the first one, there are those moments where you're like, oh, oh, they're about to lose the story, but they're, they're able to get it back, which I felt like in the first one that never happened. They had a firm grip on the story. Mm-hmm. But, folks, I, I, I rarely say this. This movie is basically Easter egg upon Easter egg upon Easter egg, but the story is still very, very, very strong. And the characterization is its strongest aspect to the point that like I left here, like in the first movie I cared about miles and I cared about Peter B. Parker, spider Gwen, Spider-Man noir, Penny Parker, spider ham. They were, they were fine, but they weren't, they weren't who I cared about mm-hmm. in this one. I now care about spider Gwen. I oh, yeah. care about Spider-Man India. I love spider punk. Um, I, the, and there's more characters. I lo- like, like, I am intimidated by by Miguel O'Hara. And, and listen, he's terrifying in this. 
Listen, I don't love her, but I, I did enjoy Jessica Drew Spider Woman. I was like, yeah, she's she's fine. Sure. She was actually a very good balance for what this movie was. Exactly. And that's all I can say without going into spoilers, but like if I could go into spoilers, I will say, like, yes, I even love those guys. <laughs> like straight up. Straight like like okay, folks. I know what you're saying. Folks, folks, yeah, folks. Like, don't don't get on the internet because there don't are so it. there are so many memes about this movie now. One of them is very much a spoiler, like a big yeah. big spoiler so uh, that, that you actually me. shared with me. See, yes, I did because I was like, I knew you'd seen it. So no, like, and and here's and the thing though, fun, it's funny. Here's the thing though, the character reference in that spoiler, I'm like, I love them too because I'm yeah. that they're literally why I'm super excited for for the third one. But yes, um. I don't think it's as it's as a well-told story as the first one, but by the simple fact that it had such a big, big, like, plate on its shoulders. That's not a good way to say it, but it basically, it, it had such ambition. Like, create, like, no joke, the ambition in this film is bigger than the, than the kind of, Kind of the ambitious scale that that Infinity War and Endgame tried to do. It's it's, it's at much that bigger. Level. It's at that it's level. it's a bit bigger. Not a lot bigger, but it's still a bit bigger than that. And the fact it's of the a matter, better movie. Is, you're not wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong. This is a better movie than Infinity War or Endgame. You're not, That's he's not crazy. Wrong. And this movie only has one movie to build upon, whereas. Infinity War and Endgame had, had dozens, dozens, yeah, dozens of dozens of years and years and years, and that those are great movies. We're not saying and, they are. And, and here's here's the other thing too. Shamik Moore is to Miles Morales what um what um uh, oh god the the guy who used to voice uh Batman. Um, oh my! He passed away. <laughs> yeah, he um, passed away. Um. Oh my God! What's his name? Kevin Conroy. Yes, Kevin Ke Conroy. So Shamik Moore is to Miles Morales what Kevin Conroy is to Bruce Wayne. Like, like, listen, and I know that like Donald Glover voiced Miles Morales like in his first animated incarnation, but Shamik Moore really, really captures like the spontaneity <laughs> of it. That's yeah. the difference. He cap no, he captures the 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 mix of naivete. And honor that Miles Morales is in the comics. Well, I think even Donald Glover admitted that he did that, that uh, that he's that he wasn't as good compared yeah. to, to no compared it, to his his take on animated Miles Morales is fine. The the, yeah. the problem with that Miles Morales is that it's in an animated show that's not good. Well, yeah, that's the other yeah. So he's given lines that aren't that great. Yeah, and, and folks, I, I'm I'm not spoiling it, but I will say this. If you are a fan of certain Spider-Man animated series, trust me, you're going to want to watch this movie. Oh, yeah. No, quite literally. When I saw that, I was like, they did not do that. I actually, did. I actually had a friend who's a fan of a, of a different animated series, and he was like, uh -huh. he's like, oh, how did they not include that? And I'm like, if it's not in this one, it'll probably be in the third one. Don't you worry. Let them save a couple <laughs> things. Exactly. Um... No, but yeah, Shamik Moore is just excellent in this. And and listen, Haley Steinfeld as Gwen, as Spider Gwen as as you fantastic. Know. Oh, she's so good. What was your favorite part of of her like of her first twenty minutes? Because it really is all about her for that first twenty minutes. So for me, I oh, God damn it, it was just so. All of it was so good. It was okay. 
there were two moments I loved for very different reasons. Obviously, there's an action sequence that happens. Oh, that so is, good. It, that is that is the best action sequence in the movie. Let me, it's not the most visually... Well, no, sorry. It's not the most... It's not the biggest, but it is, in my opinion, the best. It's absolutely remarkable what they did in it. Um, so that's that's one of my favorite parts in that 20 minutes. And my other favorite part is just... Ah, I don't want to say it because it'll spoil it, but she has to hold a secret, a very hyper-specific secret. And... I've never seen an animated character being portrayed that way so well, where it seemed like a real, a human, not just in the voice, but the way it was, it was animated, the way it was shown, her, the way the secret was really <coughs> messing with her, literally causing an effect on her mental health. And the, it, sh it, ex it explored that in 20 minutes or less, or in 20 minutes, without being he too heavy-handed about it as well. That is... Beyond impressive. Beyond impressive. I I have to say, I have to say, uh, Oscar Isaac, like like when I saw the, the stinger in the first one that, oh, Oscar Isaac is Miguel O'Hara, I was like, yeah, that tracks. That tracks. Yeah. And literally, like, he encapsulates this angsty Miguel O'Hara so well in this movie. Whereas, because in the stinger, it kind of ends on a joke. So you're like, oh, I guess they're going to portray him kind of as a jokester. And then in the movie, you see like, oh, no, oh, no. They're, they're being true to the 20, 2099 comics where he's he's kind he's of intense. like he's a brooding he's asshole. Batman. He's Batman. Yeah, he's Batman. And the for, first of all, the way they they animate him as if as if guys, what but, if Batman was Spider-Man? How would how would he move? And you're like, they do it. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, he would move like that. Yeah, he would. He would body slam you like, yeah, that, that that's how that's how he would do it. But you know what I realized? The one the way they developed the subtle comedy with Miguel O'Hara's character is OK. There's some visual gags, obviously, but I won't I won't say what they are. But you realize they have all the other people around him interact with him out of the way you see other comic book characters interact with Batman that are also good in the sense that they respect him and they even fear him a little bit, but they also think he's a, this is, this is crazy, right? Like this is, this is a little, this is a lot, right? And they never fully get over it. And again, that's why we saying he's Spider-Man. If Spider-Man was also, if, if Spider-Man was Bruce Wayne or Batman. Yeah. 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 No, that, that's totally right. And, and again, Oscar Isaac, like, my God, this is what his third Marvel role. He's been Apocalypse. He's been um, he's been Moon Knight, and now he's oh, yeah. Spider Man twenty ninety nine. And there's, like, there's gonna be more. There's so, gonna be well, more. Yeah, there's not just gonna be more. So apparently, this his voice acting and his acting. A lot of people are now talking that he and this is. I'm gonna change subjects for two seconds on here, but it is related to Oscar Isaacs. Apparently, there's talks that he is gonna do a new audio version of Dune, which he'd be perfect for. Back to a regularly scheduled program. I just had to say, if that's a reality, I would listen to it in a heartbeat. And you know, Jake Johnson returns as Peter B. Parker. He's good in it too. Like, if you liked him in the first one, you're gonna like him in this one. They add a new element to his character. This was the one thing I was mad at the movie for, folks. I'm an older millennial. So I read like the original Spider-Girl or the, the Spider-Girl comics that came out in the early 2000s, mm -hmm. which was basically set in kind of in kind of the future of the 616 
where Peter Parker's thinking about retiring as Spider-Man. He marries Mary Jane and he had with Mary Jane uh, a daughter called May Parker, May Mayday Parker. And she in the comics is like the exact opposite of Peter Parker. She she's a tomboy who's like a great athlete and super, super popular. And then Peter Parker goes like, so, yeah, I'm going to retire as Spider-Man. You got to continue the legacy. And her whole thing is that, like, she has such a great life. Why does she want to be Spider-Girl? And it was a great, great comic line. I loved it. And in this one, we're introduced to Mayday Parker, (laughs) but as a toddler. Yeah. And it's 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 adorable. It's adorable, but I was like, oh, I really wanted Spider-Girl to be like like her full-grown self because she's really cool. Oh, man. Well, listen, but, there, there's, a, there's a Spider-Verse where she's fully grown. Yeah, where she's like an adult and kicking ass. And maybe so, we'll see that in the third may, Maybe, maybe. But anyway, so yeah, he's a dad now. And that new dynamic is pretty, pretty cool. Um, he's not in the movie a lot uh, because this movie just has so many, much ground to cover. But I have a sneaking suspicion he's going to be a prominent player in the third one. That's just a suspicion. I don't no, know. I believe but it. Yeah. Uh, listen, you mentioned him earlier. I got to say, I was never a fan of Jason Schwartzman. I said that earlier in this episode. His turn as Spot? Holy fuck. I'm not well, going like, to get into specifics, but, but he, goes, he goes from like the comedic bumbling villain to terrifying to terrifying and he doesn't like even change his voice he just changes the canter uh, uh, the candor of his voice and yeah. it's so effective that i was like jason schwarzman should play more vill-. like i know he was the villain in, in uh in um in in uh, scott pilgrim but mm-hmm. i was like he needs to play more psychotic villains because well think- he also needs to do more like highbrow voice acting work because folks he was in this little movie called uh klaus which made al and i cry so oh yeah there's that and yeah. He, he has one of the funny one of the funniest lines in animation ever <laughs> that he does in klaus i'm gonna say it out of context which is simply no, wait, don't go. He'll hear you. <laughs> it was, it's so funny. And he delivers it. Yeah, but in, in Klaus, he's kind of doing that Jason Schwartzman thing, like the yeah. the bumbling the bumbling ninny. Yeah. But in this one, oh, my yeah. God. Oh he my starts God. bumbling ninny, but then becomes Lord of Chaos or something crazy. Yeah, dude. God. Oh, folks. This is a movie that if you go with your parents – like at the end, you're going to be like, mom, dad, I love you guys so much. Uh, and this is so refreshing because you don't see this in superhero movies. His, the, the development of his relationship with his parents, Jeff and Rio Morales is so well done. It's so nuanced too. It's nuanced. It's complicated, but there's that foundation of genuine love from his mom and dad to him. Well, these are the best parents of a Spider-Man I'm being general since the Tobey Maguire days with Uncle Ben and uh, Aunt May. Yeah, there's like, he's so, the best since that. Like, like, okay, so uh, Jeff Morales, you know, he lost his brother in the first movie. Found out that he was the Prowler, and and you know, he's about to get a promotion, and he doesn't know how to act. He doesn't know how to react with his son. Kind of seeing like he's not focusing on his because they don't know he's Spider-Man, not focusing on his studies. There's a there's a there's a sequence. There's like a little bit. There's like a 
there's like a beat where he's talking to Miles Morales Spider-Man. Now, obviously, he doesn't know it's Miles. He's just talking to Spider-Man. Where they're talking about Miles. It's both funny and heartwarming. It works really well. And then, obviously, you heard the... You're, you heard a bit of the monologue in this trailer, but uh, Rio is talking with Miles about losing the little boy she loves so much. And they reduced it, but the man. whole thing is amazing. It's amazing and actually brought a tear to my eye. It's so beautiful. Uh, and then there's a subverted payoff at the end that you're like, oh, my God. Holy shit. Um, no, they're great. They're really, really good. They're, this is the type of movie where you're like, these are parents as people but who still know that they need to be good parents. And it just works so well. I also oh. learned some, speaking of the original, the previous Miles Morales Spider-Man movie. Um, see, I learned something I learned today. So, you know, when the prowler like first comes around and you hear that weird eerie sound effect, that sounds like a, a weird digital wailing of some kind. And like, it was even in some of the songs later on. You don't know talk yeah, about Yeah, I remember. So that was an elephant being reverbed and then echoed. Interesting. Which is interesting that that's how they got that. But I just thought that was cool. Yeah. It's a good um, sound effect. Uh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya as Spider-Punk. I, I feel like this is, this is another PSA. This is another PSA. <laughs> Folks, this movie is audacious in its technical achievements. They are mixing not only different forms of animation, but just different forms of visual media in this movie. And while I appreciated it, I'm just going to say it right. The way they bring Spider-Punk to life is that he's animated as though he's like various music magazine clippings uh, uh, put together in a collage and animated. And the effect this gives is that you're, when you look at Spider-Punk, you're looking at like a literal collage of magazines just kind of moving at like a slightly different frame rate as everyone else. Um, I had a friend of mine who kind of sh- – who they, they didn't have a siege or anything, but it kind of gave off this effect similar to like when you're seeing blinking lights on a screen really fast. Like it can hurt your eyes a little bit if you're not used to that. I didn't have that problem. See, I don't know if you had that problem. Can't say um, I did. But but that is something you most people should know is that because it looks like it's like a he 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 kind of changes color like every frame that can be a little straining on the eyes according to a friend of mine who who uh, who saw this movie. Interesting. Um, That's that good. being said, that is important to know. That being said, holy fuck, that guy's punk AF. Yeah. And Daniel Daniel Kaluuya like like again Spider Punk. He got announced relatively late into the marketing that like, oh, yeah, Dan Kaluuya is going to voice Spider-Punk. Um, I think right before the last trailer came out. So I was like, OK, it's going to be like an extended cameo. No, he's he's actually a key part of the story. He's not in it a lot, but he's a key part of the story. And he's just so fucking cool. Well, is, I also think he's going to come back in a major way in the, as well in the third one. Yeah. Um, so. So I don't. I'm not well versed in Spider Punk, in the comics. Are you? I I'm not at all. Okay, I'm so, not well versed in a lot of the. Uh, once you get further and further, the further and further out you get, I'm less versed in them. Okay, so I know there is a Spider Punk. In the comics, but I know for a fact that <clears throat> he's not uh, Hobie Brown. Hobie Brown is actually a a call a, a kind of callback, a uh, fan service towards the original Prowler. So mm. the original Prowler in the late 70s 
was Hobie Brown, not Miles Davis. Miles Davis became the Prowler in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they connected him with Miles Morales in the 2000s. So Hobie Brown was the original Prowler. A good friend of ours, uh, D, who, who was with us on the Black Panther review, mm-hmm. on the Wakanda Forever review, he told me, he's like, oh, yeah, no. Uh, so he has this connection with Miles in that he's the name of the original Prowler, um, and there might be a connection there. Uh, I don't know. Listen, I don't know if this is canon or not. And if it does turn out to be true, my mistake. But I had a theory that he was like an alternate version of Miles. That was my theory. But I guess I guess mm. it's not it's not as overt as it's probably just more of a, of a spiritual thing of like, oh, yeah, you know, it's it's a meta thing of like, oh, yeah, he has the name of the original Prowler. That's kind of why he takes a liking to to to, to Miles Morales. because He's really he's so cool. He's so cool that he's the only one who likes that Miles Morales is in like this Spider-Man multiverse cop uh, organization. Um, but he was really cool. What did what did you think about him? Um, <coughs> the Prowler? Oh, you mean or Spider Punk? Okay, gee, sorry, I, we went we went a few places for a sec. Sure, um, sure, sure. My bad. Spider Punk was great. Like he was he. So a lot of people are saying that and. For the record, I think they're referring to the Indian Spider-Man often by his name, I think. In- Pravir, I, I can pronounce it, but it's... No, no, yeah, but it, that seems to be the fan favorite, and my fan favorite... Oh, he's really cool. He's really cool. Oh, he's cool, without a doubt. But I agree, my fan favorite is Spider-Punk. He is so... He's... Here's the thing. I, I originally thought he was just going to gonna be a joke, but when he plays a very... Uh, a pretty significant piece in the story, that's when... You see the depth a little bit in that character, and that's when you really appreciate it. So that's why I like that character is the, the 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 Spider-Man from the from India. He he's awesome and he's really cool and he's funny, and he do, he inadvertently plays a big role in the movie, but that's more through inaction. Rather, Spider-Punk had, takes direct action in how he affects the story of this movie. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, and it's, it's real. It, it, he's really badass. Now, kind of going back to uh, 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 the uh, P- Pavtir Prabhakar, Spider-Man India. Yes. Like there, there's a big chunk in the middle of the movie that's dedicated to his universe, and he has such a like. Listen, I've been recently really into uh, Indian cinema. Like, folks, as you know, I'm 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 like the world's biggest RRR fan. Uh, mm-hmm. I loved uh, I loved Three Idiots. I really liked the the Doom trilogy. Um, they really capture kind of the the vibe of Indian cinema in his in his whole sequences. Uh, it's so well done. He's he's and and his energy is so infectious that what what makes this work is that like you know the movie up until that time is kind of being very grounded and self-serious, but once they go into his universe, the vibe just changes so fast. And that's when we get probably the best web slinging I've seen in any medium, because you basically get, uh, three, then four web slingers in that, in that crazy skyscraper filled Mumbai Hatton. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Mike, it was gorgeous. It was gorgeously animated. It was, I was, <coughs> I was in love with it. It was definitely one of the most fascinating 
alternate worlds, I'll admit, too. It really was, like, even, like, you re, it, it pointed something out. If you had a, 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 a city that was a combination of Manhattan and Mumbai, it would have the worst fucking traffic in all the multiverses. Like, <laughs> That's and so it, true. And it pointed that out. It's like, here's traffic, here's traffic. It's like, no traffic would ever be beaten anywhere else. Like, it would be that bad. All right, folks. So, this movie, uh, I got to say that I, I don't think this is a spoiler or, or going into this as any form of spoiler because when this movie got announced, it was announced as Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 and Across the Spider-Verse Part 2 was going to be the third one that came out a year later. Mm-hmm. They, they changed Across the Spider-Verse Part 2 to Beyond the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. So... From the very beginning, this was always going to be a two-parter affair. Mm-hmm. It was always going to be a two. I knew that going in, um, but I as we too. alluded to, as we alluded to earlier, a lot of people in the audience were not aware of that, yeah. <laughs> and they, they were very frustrated in the best way possible. Yeah. Um, so when you get a movie that's part one of a two-parter, it always seems that you get either uh, in infinity war slash dune situation where there's a very natural endpoint for the story uh but it's uh, there's an obvious continuation for it where you're like okay yeah th- this is this this is ending but there's there's going to be a there's going to be a continuation like it's a satisfying ending but there's a continuation mm. or you get a situation that happened with uh with a lot of young adult novels adaptation. Where, that, well, the, the where, reason, that, and that's what was so weird about the, yeah, where the young adult novels, like, well, you tell it. Yeah, I'm sorry. You tell it. We're, we're going to take the last book of the series and chop it in two. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and we're going to be very overt that the first part is just setting up the second part. Which, this, it was, they only, that got started. People forget. That got started because the last Harry Potter book was so massive. That it was necessary to do that. Exactly. Again, that that they did that for a very specific reason, and to be honest, in my opinion, it worked. You needed to do that. But then, what you did not need to do was split the third Hunger Games book into two movies, or or the or the fourth uh, Twilight book into two movies. Unnecessary. Completely like, unnecessary. Like, yeah. Th- so so then you have these these part one of twos where it's like we're just doing setup. And then right where it would be the climax, we're going to end it. And the second movie is going to be the entire climax and resolution. And it's all, that's like, it's <sighs> what it becomes is if, if, if these were a three act structure, the first movie part one would be act one. And then two part two would be two and three, so to speak. But, but most of, most of the time part one was like act one and two. And then right where you're like, okay, this is where the climax is going to happen. It ends. That's and, and listen, like, I never saw the first Deathly Hallows, but everyone I know who has says like, oh yeah, it ended at the perfect moment and it really got you excited for the for the second part because that was going to be where Voldemort and Harry were going to go at it. And we needed, and the thing is, for the Harry Potter, the world of Harry Potter, we needed a movie, a whole movie for Harry to like get ready for what was to come. We actually needed that. Like, Which but, is why the book but for cool. Hunger Games and Twilight, everyone was like, the first, they would watch the first one and they'd be like, well, nothing happens because the whole like end of the conflict happens where part two is going to start. Mm-hmm. And you're, and a lot of people hated that. They, like everyone went pissed. into every, everyone would go into the part one movie and they would leave going like, 
what the fuck? Like, like n- nothing interesting happened for two hours. Why didn't they just, just adapt the, the last book as one movie? So where money. does this, well, yeah, money, duh. Where does this movie fall? This, okay. So plot wise, like big, so, so there's like the big plot. And then there's like the, the smaller plot that's, that's character driven, right? Mm-hmm. The big plot is very much the 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 Deathly Hallows, the <clears throat> the the Breaking Dawn or whatever the fuck the last Twilight movie's called, the yeah. Mocking Jay. It's sure. It yeah, it's this thing of like it ends literally as where the third act would start would start. It literally ends right there. And that's why a lot of people were like, "Oh, really? Oh, oh, oh. but but this movie isn't just about the big plot, which is the big plot is that um Miles Morales kind of inadvert, Spider Gwen kind of inadvertently causes a multiversal uh, disaster, and uh, when Miles Morales figures it's out, he decides to kind of butt himself in, and because he butt himself in, Miguel O'Hara is really really pissed. Mm-hmm. That that's a the reason we haven't talked about the plot is because that's as far as we can go before we get into spoilers like major in terms of, spoilers yeah. like major spoilers and ruining like Easter eggs and stuff and we don't want to do that. No. The smaller plot, the character driven plot, is that for Spider Gwen, like you alluded to, is that she has this really broken relationship with her dad. Uh, she's distanced herself from the only friends she ever really had because she's in a different universe and. You know, she kind of joins up with Miguel O'Hara because she wants to fill that void. And then with Miles Morales, it's with him becoming his own his own man, like like being a man in the eyes of his parents and being a great Spider-Man in the eyes of the multiverse. Right. So those two those two character driven narratives are ended with a really good bow on top. You're satisfied. You're satisfied with like, okay. Uh, Miles has grown, Gwen Stacy has grown, and even in a lesser extent, uh, Peter B. Parker has grown. Well, he grew uh, between the two movies. He grew between the two movies, but he kind of comes full circle like when he has a realization in the third act. Mm -hmm. Um, And without getting into specifics, a certain villain grows as well. Mm -hmm. So, So their stories has a nice little bow at the end. Like, like obviously there's room for growth, but but they have satisfying endings to their character arcs, right? 100%. So so when we're watching the movies, we're like, okay, uh, it's ending, but I know that Gwen Stacy's ready for the next fight. I definitely know that Miles is ready for the next fight. And it just gets you really, really excited for the next movie. But yes, a lot of people were like, it, it, it ended right as the good part was about to start. I was like, well, yeah, the good part's beyond the Spider-Verse. Now, I'm not saying this is bad. I'm just saying the the really crazy, like, action-packed part is going to be beyond the Spider-Verse, yeah. where things are going to be going crazy, and you're like, oh, my God. So that's how I see it, and I think that's the best of both worlds because you're, <clears throat> you're like, hungering for the second part, mm-hmm. but you're, you're not like, oh, my God, nothing happened. The characters were just kind of waiting around and saying, all right, this part's over. We're going to have our real character growth. We're going to have the real movie in the second part. No, I'll, they did not do that for this. That so was... so I guess you would agree with, with my view of, of that situation? A hundred percent. One other thing I wanted to add about this is how this movie does something that I, as a writer, find incredibly hard to do, which is allow scenes to breathe in a single location without them coming off as too 
wordy or dialogue heavy while still giving them purpose. That is incredible. The best subtle example of this is actually there's basically a scene with like a that that's sort of a fit, a party so to speak on the rooftop of their uh, Oh, that's apartment. such a good scene. It's such a great scene, but what works about it is you have this amazing the what really works is how you have this coming and going of Miles in that party and it keeps going and you're noticing that the sun is setting more and more and more as the party is keep keeps going and what you realize is they used that scene as a way to tell time which is really something but there are other scenes too where it's like lesser writers and like I said I struggle with this myself lesser writers would either make these long scenes just way too heavy with unnecessary dialogue or unnecessary um, exposition uh, or they would you know this would be a shorter movie in general and they the scenes wouldn't be that long so it's they achieve something that's very rarely done right and I have to give that is one of the main reasons why like I, I have to give this movie credit it did what is often impossible in writing yeah, yeah like listen I I I as I was watching this movie, it became apparent that they would stop the plot to do character development. That's sure. that's just that that's just what they were doing. Um, listen, I until I see part two, I do not know if I agree with how they would approach doing this two-parter. Um, because there were times where I was like, okay, I know they're doing character development, and the character development is quite good. The the beats, the interactions between Miles and his parents, between Miles and Gwen, between Gwen and her dad. Like these are these are this this is good. This is good stuff. But uh like the the pot the plot is literally paused. I and and this movie's two hours and almost two hours and twenty minutes. Uh I I feel like I, I feel like that they could have cut this down and merged it with part two and just told like a two hour and 30 minute story that would have been satisfying. But then I realized, well, I don't know. Cause I don't know what part two is going to look like. Well, and then when we'll the movie, that on part two. Yeah. yeah. And then when the movie ended, I was like, well, while, while I still am like, yeah, it's obviously the good parts going to, all the crazy parts going to happen in part two. I got to say that all that time, all that time spent with these characters and their character development I'm satisfied with where they with where they are right now. Mm-hmm. And and I'm like I don't feel like how I felt like with the Hunger Games movies where I was like what, what why was I even here? I, they, they literally don't grow. They literally they literally don't do anything. And then the movie ends and they're like, "All right guys, part 2 is where the real stuff's going to happen." Like and I tell like, people all the, the time. Fuck? I tell people all the time that when you have these finales that are two-parters, you only really need to see the second part because the first part's probably not going to have anything important. Watch the trailer um, for the first part and then watch the second part. Yeah, yeah. Um, so really and truly, that kind of changed my opinion of this because I, <laughs> I was like, as I was watching, I was like, I love this, but I really hate, I really hate how the plot's stopping. Just, just to stop or just to have these characters talk to each other, and then I'm like, well, because these characters talk to each other. I'm in a better place with them emotionally uh, as an audience member, as a watcher, as the movie ends, so that I really, really want to see the second one. So now I'm of the opinion that, like, yeah, no, I totally get why they did this. I totally, totally get it. 
Um, so yeah, folks, how about this? See, how about we, uh, we give our ratings, uh, because really this is all we can talk about. I really want you guys to see this movie because there's going to be things you're going to see that you're like, Whoa, what the hell? So, uh, so yeah, let's give our ratings. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this movie fucks without a doubt in my mind. Plain and simple. It fucks. See it in theaters, by the way. That is not, this is not a drill. See it in theaters. Yeah, this, like, when I was talking to my friends after I saw this, I was like, they asked me, like, well, what would you give it? And I was like, I, I'm probably going to give this, like, like a fucking flush. But no, thinking about it and, and kind of <laughs> coming to terms with it, I'm like, no, this movie fucks. This movie fucks hard. It doesn't fuck as hard as the first one for me. Like, if people, if people ask me, like, rate these movies, I'm like, the first one is still the best in my mind. But they both fuck. And this one, this one doesn't fuck as hard as the first one, um, but it's still such a good time in the theater. This, this to me feels like the first summer movie, not that Little Mermaid nonsense. This, no, this yeah, feels this like the, the first summer. movie of the summer. No, yeah, this, not, this opened us up to that. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people were like, "Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy." Yeah, I liked Guardians, but this to me feels I like the Guardians. first big. This to me feels like the first big movie of the summer. It's. Mm-hmm. Everything I ever want in a comic book movie. This is going to be the best superhero movie of the year. Like that, that's oh, already yeah. been determined. I oh, don't yeah. care what else comes out. Oh yeah, Miles Morales. Like, <sighs> listen, I love Shamik Moore. He's like reading the tea leaves. He's like, okay, I gotta get myself thinner. I gotta shave my beard because this Miles Morales is going to be jumping into live action sooner rather than later. And I, I want to be Miles Morales for live action. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know because. I, I think they're gonna go the the way of Tom Holland and like we want to cast someone super super young. No, they but, are. They 100 percent are, and that's but, it's just the way it is. And, and listen, can I just say, Lord and Miller, holy shit, they always knock mm-hmm. it out of the park. You they know, do. you know who they wrote this with? Who? Dave Callahan. Dave Callahan, for those that don't know, uh, wrote the very first draft of the 2014 Godzilla. Mm. Um, but he was also known as the guy who wrote, uh, the first two, the, the second and the third Expendables movie. No, he wrote all three Expendables movies. Oh. Um, he also wrote Wonder Woman 1984 and he wrote Mortal Kombat, which I personally liked. Mm-hmm. And he also was the credited screenwriter for Shang-Chi. So okay. the, the, the guy, the guy has a mixed record, right? Mixed yeah. record. But you add Lord and Miller to this. Holy shit. This this is some of the best superhero writing I've like like my god. The monologues in this movie can make you tear up. They're so well done. <laughs> this movie really captures like the first one did. The cuz I remember our friend Chris told us this. This really captures the essence of what it means to be Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And then this one is what it means to be your own Spider-Man. I know that sounds really cringy, but oh, like like I love comic book movies that know how to create characters that we come to love and know how to express that just love we have for these superheroes, these larger than life superheroes, because they are our mythology. This is, these are our myths. And when you're able to create these great hero journey stories, it's just, oh, it's always so fun because when a superhero, when a heroic movie hits, when you get something that hits like the dark Knight or something Mm -hmm. like this, nothing beats it. Nothing beats it. Nothing, nothing beats it. They, at their best, they're inspirational. They really are. Um, Which is why see. a bad superhero movie, there's nothing worse, because we know what it could be. 
Exactly. Especially when, when the character has so much potential. And really, these Spider-Verse movies really tap into the potential of Miles Morales. Like, more so than the animated series. And listen, I know there's a second game coming out, but the but I would say even more so than the than the, the, the new Spider-Man games. But we'll see with the second movie. Maybe maybe they reach the heights. Because this, this, to me, is the is the definitive Miles Morales for me. Mm-hmm. I I don't know the video the new upcoming video game that's coming in October might change that the uh, eventual live I action movie it. might change it but I don't know. this to me is the definitive Miles Morales and folks especially for our friends who have kids take them to see this oh because, yeah for the love because, of God yeah because listen this are is they older than f- are they five and older great take them take them because there's nothing better than taking a kid to see a good like animated film oh, yeah. because they, then in their brain they're like okay. I can measure all the shitty Illumination movies uh, against, against this. this and know that, like, Mom, Dad, don't take me to see anything like that see, ever again. You you want your kids <clears throat> to know good kids' movies so that, yeah, as Al said, so that you don't have to sit through the terrible ones. Exactly. Because if, if like, if you're like, well, any, any parent who's like, oh, I don't know, Spider-Verse looks a little scary. Let's take him to see Elemental instead. No, take him to see this. Take to see this because this one's going to capture you. Listen, listen, we haven't even seen Elemental, but yeah. the trailers have not made that thing look good. No. Uh, this, this is a masterpiece. And if the third one is as good as this one, the Spider-Verse trilogy will probably be considered one of the best, not probably, definitely one of the best superhero trilogies, but maybe even one of the best animated trilogies, one of the best film trilogies of all time. It will be able, up there. And yeah, and one last thing before we end to the mm-hmm. to the directors. So one of the directors is Joaquim Dos Santos. I've been following Joaquim Dos Santos' career for uh, 13 years now. For those that don't know, he was kind of the like he wasn't the head writer, but he was the reason Avatar, the, the Nickelodeon show Avatar, was how it was. How how the characters grew. He was like in charge of the characters and 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 how to like plot out the story. He understands how to make competent, smart television for kids slash young adults. Yeah, and uh, then he was he was in charge. He was kind of the guy that was put in charge of Korra. And listen, Korra has its problems, but it still maintained that like yes, we're doing something for kids, but it's going to be really grounded storytelling. And then uh, Netflix picked him up and he was the showrunner and the creator for the Voltron series that's on Netflix. And I never got around to watching it because while I did like Voltron, there were just so many other things I was watching at the time. But apparently it's been getting high praise or it got Every, high praise. Everyone tells me, everyone tells me that the Voltron series on Netflix is one of the best animated series out there. Like that it blows Korra out of the water. It's not as good as Avatar The Last Airbender, but it's almost close. I just never got around to watching it. Um, but when he got announced as the director, like replacing Peter Ramsey, I was like, well, okay, now he's hit the big time. And God knows that after Beyond the Spider-Verse, where his career is going to take them. I'm, I'm really, really excited. So with that, um, this has been What Do You Think? I'm Al. And I'm C. Always take that leap of faith, folks. Good night, everybody.